2: slash loss. Hey, it's Cam here, and I just have a super
0: quick one before we begin. We actually make a number of references to what we think are pretty common high school experiences in this pod. If you resonate with any of them and want to hear another podcast specifically on Aussie school memories, you can sign up to the Patreon to get access to the exclusive pod for just $1.50 a month, where you can also designate an imposter for a video on the main channel, and see the face behind the giraffe. Also, if you happen to enjoy this one, giving us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts is a massive help. But onto the show, gentlemen. Cam, okay. we're going to start again in two thousand and seven. Oh my gosh, a lot of a lot of us seven here. I've got to got to think of another story. <laughs> <laughs> I had a week to think about.
1: <laughs>
0: now, we're actually going to begin. I we've discussed the premier's reading challenge before. Mm. So we are talking what happened in New South Wales, labor in the late two thousands, but the premier's reading challenge, I'm pretty sure I know who began the premier's reading challenge, but I'm not a hundred percent. Would you like me to Google it? Well, I tried Googling it before and yeah. I didn't get <laughs> who started the premier's reading challenge Didn't really render any results. Maybe you're, you're, SEO is stronger than mine. My what? Search engine optimization. Search engine optimization.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: now, I'm pretty sure it was Morris Yemma. I'm pretty confident he was the premier who began the, the premier's reading challenge. Um, Barry O'Farrell? I think it predated, ba- I thought <laughs> it predated Bazafaz. <laughs> mm. Any luck, then? My
3: thinking is that, like, the Premier's Reading Challenge started when I started. <laughs> no,
0: no, I remember the Premier's Reading Challenge being around
2: um,
3: for
0: quite a while.
2: Okay. No, it looks... All I can find on the Wikipedia page <coughs> was that it was launched in South Australia by Premier Mike Ryan. Oh. Um, but that, as in... A great challenge. It was launched in South Australia. I don't know if that meant it was already launched in other states yeah apparently south australia deserves a shout out for having one of the highest participation rates in the world for reading challenges it's it has embraced been embraced by more than 95 percent of public private and religious schools
3: wow do you think south australia as a result of that is a very um what's the word well-read place yeah
2: literate they can write some some really good some really good plot twists maybe that's why the premier just stepped down a couple of days ago just just had some reading to do. <laughs> do you think, do you think there was, there's a correlation between... Otherwise, well, in Mark McGowan. Yeah. yeah.
3: The education standards. Between
0: reading, education. Yeah. Oh, huge. Yeah. Huge. Literacy, like it, one of the biggest predictors of uh, income is your child's literacy rate from at the age of zero to four and how many, the, the, how many words they have in the vocabulary from zero to four. I see. Can wow. predict, can be a pretty good indicator for income down the track. Now, obviously, it's not perfect because income isn't always related to education. I'd like to consider myself more highly educated than Gavin Rubenstein and the other guys from Lux Listing Sydney. <laughs> but I take it I have significantly lower income than them.
3: Mm.
0: So I'm pretty sure... Yeah, I'm pretty sure Morris Yemmer began the Premier's Reading Challenge in New South Wales. Look, do, do you reckon can- that's
2: why WISO... Maybe they're kind of itching to secede from Australia, just because they know they've got what it takes. They're they're literate, like they're very literate, very capable, read a lot of books. Nothing has, to do with the mines or no, having no, the entire just, reserve of Australian law. They just feel no, we we can handle this. <laughs> and so yeah, like
0: I, I don't know if you looked up Morrissey Emma or anything, but it should be under his key reforms. <laughs> <laughs> I think much more significant than privatizing the electrical grid. So. We're going to begin in 2007. Morris Yem is the premier. Labor have been in since, since 95. They've been in for yonks. Um, They were led by a guy called Bob Carr. Mm. Where do you remember that name from?
3: You Mentioned it in the last episode. He had some involvement in the, uh, the labor party in the late two thousands, early 2010s.
0: What was his job title for Julia Gillard party? Same job Kevin Rudd had. Foreign, Foreign, Foreign minister. Foreign minister. Rudd, yeah. Yes. So yes. he was in until 2005. He stepped down in 2005. Morris Yemma comes in um, and Morris Yemma is part of the Labour Right Faction. So New South Wales, we've got the Labour Right Faction and we've got mm. the Socialists as they're commonly referred. Yeah, M- M- Labour Left is really what they are. But Labour Right calls them the Socialists. The dominant faction in power is Labour Right. Now I'm going to say a word here. Tell me if you know what that word means. Caucus.
2: Mm. Mm. No, not really. I've definitely heard it used before. Uh, not related to Orcus. Is it to oh, do? To is it to
3: do with that that political spectrum?
2: No. Okay. No, now, I mean, obviously, I haven't been doing my Premier's Reading Challenge because uh, <laughs> I hate the ABC. <laughs>
0: yeah, ben just knows a lot of words. Well, <laughs> the ABC does throw around caucus a lot and i really am like hey guys don't assume this is knowledge um stop throwing around political jingo and lingo um and jargon jingo <laughs> <laughs> i realized jingo. My mistake. i thought i got away with that, like that.
2: jingo stole my baby
0: <laughs> and so um the caucus is every elected member of parliament in both houses from your party so for LA- Labor caucus is everyone in the House so it's, it's and everyone like, in the Senate.
3: It's like a plural mm. for politicians. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like the, is it like the collective <laughs> yeah co- like a collective noun for like a, a murder of crows. Yeah. Or, yeah, uh, Avengers yeah. Assemble, but yeah. <laughs> for
2: everyone in both
0: houses.
3: Mm.
0: So it'd be yeah. like if Marvel and DCU combined to have a vote on who should be their collective leader of superheroes mm. would be how I'd define it. So do you want to see what Caucus is? I was just
2: thinking <laughs> about I was just thinking about who the leader would be of that uh <laughs> that yeah, Caucus I, so I was like
3: probably Iron Man like, possibly. Yeah, I guess that kinda works. <laughs> yeah. Superman's gotta be a shout, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Captain point. America leadership. <laughs>
0: mm. Incredible. Um, in <laughs> yeah, Disney no, and what, and the, Don't know what the cinematic the universe, universe Incrediboy is. Yeah, that's so what I was saying like Disney Incredible boy! Like <laughs> Anyway, no, no, that, that you, got your, you got your Incredibles yeah. reference in from last week. I've yeah. trying to get all week in. Now, effectively what happened was in 2007, Morris Yemma is from Labour, right? Morris Yemma wanted to privatise the New South Wales um, electrical grid and he wanted to bring increased privatisation into New South Wales electricity. This was vehemently opposed by the party. And actually, there was a Labour Party conference where... All your kind of union reps get to attend. A lot of different people get to speak. And there were a lot of people who were like, this is selling out New South Wales to the top end of town. Don't do this. Morris Yemma went and did it anyway. Morris. Even though he had a severe and extreme minority in the Labour Party conference who were supportive of
3: this. Are we still talking about the Premier's Reading Challenge? <laughs> They, they surely didn't privatise the yeah. Premier's yeah. Reading yeah. Challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That gets
2: <laughs> yeah, the day it becomes like, Bing presents yeah. the Premier's Reading Challenge. and like, <laughs> instead of actually reading the book, you can just like pay to get like stars and ticks <laughs> and stuff. Damn, um, yeah, that seems very uncharacteristically late, like uncharacteristic mm. of Labour or of a Labour well, uh, minister. No, we, we need to get to know the Labour
0: right faction today. Yeah, I so, see. Yeah. Um, Rudd called the New South Wales right faction rotten mm. when he was prime minister, um, and he still he still is very annoyed at the New South Wales right faction. It is also worth noting the New South Wales. So Mark Arbib was from New South Wales right. Mark Bibb was one of the key conspirators who took down Kevin Rudd. So there's that kind of personal element mm. of vengeance in it for him as well. But New South Wales right is controlled or well, was controlled by two guys. Eddie Obeid, Joe Tripodi. Mm. They are the real power breakers in New South Wales, right? Neither of them want to be leader. They have no interest in becoming leader of the party whatsoever. But they are very strong faction bosses who control caucus. And the right is the dominant faction in caucus. And they can pretty much have their guys in wherever they want. Eddie Obeid hasn't, hadn't held a ministry since something like 2001, I believe. So by '07 he was just a backbencher who could rally support for whoever he wanted. Um, but for him, we're going to see that he had other interests in public life apart from holding positions of high office because he wanted out of cabinet from pretty early on. Joe Tripodi, he was in cabinet and he held important portfolios like Finance Minister. And Joe Tripodi was almost a disciple of Eddie Obeid. He was Eddie Obeid's protege. So what happens? Morrissey Emma, he basically gets rolled on the privatization thing because it's extremely unpopular. And when Morrissey Emma basically tries to do a cabinet reshuffle, gets rejected and um, he steps down because he can't get the people that he wants in. The privatization thing, he's been knocked back on by his own party and Morrissey Emma steps down.
2: Why was he so adamant on privatizing it? Did he have some sort of skin in the game that we don't know about
0: well that's
2: the thing so he has so he's been
0: called before icac not for himself but for other people um when it comes to yama that's the thing is there an interest group that really wanted him to push forward privatization for their gain perhaps did he really believe that this was needed for the economy perhaps We, we there's been no icac Investigation into Iyema But that they're the right questions to be asking And so Iyema steps down Because he can't get the cabinet that he wants The issue for the Labour Party though Is that they don't really have anyone from Labour right Who is a suitable leader And Tripodi and Obeid are like We can't put anyone who we want into power So they do a deal Where they actually bring someone from Labour left His name is Nathan Rees and Nathan Rees gets put into the top job. Now, Nathan Rees is kind of a deal with the devil. It, you've got to kind of kiss the ring of Obeid and Tripodi. And in return, you can keep your job and you can have the top job. Why would Obeid and Tripodi go outside their faction? Uh, probably the main reason is that they were staring down the barrel of an election defeat. And they needed the best possible leader to take them to the election to save everyone's jobs. Because the more it's like they they would they'd resigned themselves to defeat by the Liberal Party in twenty eleven. They knew that was coming. But damage limitation, how many seats can we save? Because we want to keep the old guys in rather than have new guys come in down the track because these guys are under our influence. Mm. And they wanted to save as many jobs as possible. So Nathan Rees comes in in two thousand and eight. You know how long he lasts in office?
3: No, I'm not sure. Just
0: over a year. Damn. He doesn't get very long. So 2009. Yeah, he had a go. He had he had his turn. Uh, had a little crack at it. <laughs> and that's pretty much how the media has covered Nathan Rees. Ah, oh, he, he wanted to have a little little, little yeah. turn and oh. he, he got to have his,
2: yeah. His moment in the sun. Yes. His, um...
0: I would argue that he's perhaps the most significant premier we've had in the last 20 years. Damn. Say. So, <laughs> Do tell more. Eddie, Ob- uh, <laughs> Nathan Rees. He gets kicked out in 2009. Now, 2009, it was a big year for me.
2: I was leaving year six. Yeah. Uh, I was in school yeah. musical. Graduate. Yeah. What was your musical? Annie. I've right. got a bit of a oh, I remember that actually. Yeah, because you guys uh, were you part of the I got a feeling no, dance I was in, the, so in the prison annoyed. scene? Yeah, I remember my brother was. And um, that, like
0: that, like this could be more Patreon special territory, but I absolutely. do need to air this grievance, and I'm happy to have as bigger an audience as possible for this one. So, in the school musical, we had a we had a we had a year group of a hundred, mm-hmm. big year group, a lot of jobs for people to have in a musical when you've got a cast of a hundred people. Yeah, we got given a dance for all the people that didn't have a job at all, the really untalented people. Mm. And we got given the song baby face. Ah, uh, yeah. Then, so we had a slightly bigger job than the people who had small jobs. Then they said, well, that's not fair. The people who have small jobs don't get their dance. So let's give them a dance too. And we'll give them. I've got a feeling that had just come out by the black eyed peas at the time. It was a banger. And while we're doing this like little like truffle shuffle sort of thing, mm. They get to bring out the sprinkler. So I've got a feeling. So of course the crowd goes mental when they bring out the sprinkler. And you have like twenty five eleven year old boys rocking oh, yeah. the sprinkler. Yeah, yeah that is yeah, tough. Sorry that, that happened, is tough. Man. Yeah, it was um that was a was a hard pill to swallow.
3: Did, did Guy play Annie? Nah. No, it was a girl.
0: Yeah, also there was a lot of um. This person had been lined up for the role since about year one. Mm. Unpopular opinion. We thought someone she was talented. We thought someone else pipped her to the line at the end and actually was more talented. Yeah. And she had red hair that was short. Mm. She was she was <laughs> she was the perfect Annie candidate and she got overlooked. It's I tough. was okay. that, I, that I I yeah, my my two two huge injustices at yeah. that we'll, yeah. time of life. so We'll, talk, talk we'll about definitely
3: a, explore that. A third injustice
0: the, the that happened in December of 2009. <laughs> Nathan Rees gets rolled. Mm. Now, Nathan Rees, what does he do? In the Labour Party conference, that's the big conference where all the unions come together, the same one that Morris Yammer had tried to pitch privatization at. Where do they hold the conference? I don't know. Maybe the ICC. ICC.
3: Well no, that around sounds that back then. Too- um in the, two, in the 2000s, I think. What well, wasn't All it around? It was different. The Oxford PC. Art Factory,
2: perhaps another
0: one. <laughs> 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 Bay School Hall.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Under the cola. Under the cola. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I actually have no idea yeah. where it is. So they, they have these huge, but yeah, right, they're huge conferences that are, that are massive in size. And Nathan Rees asked the conference, can he have special power to pick his own cabinet? Because what happens is Caucus picks the cabinet and the Premier assigns portfolios so caucus says who gets to be in the top of yeah the top 15 portfolios or whatever and then the premier assigns each of those portfolios to everyone mm. so again to run with the example even more imagine every enlisted Manchester United member who get to pick the starting 11 but Eric Hag gets to pick where each player is positioned yeah what Nathan Rees did is Nathan Rees asked the conference for special powers to pick his own cabinet because he felt people were trying to undermine him the whole way. And it, it, it was blatantly true. So Nathan Rees tried to implement basically like anti-corruption legislation. Uh, one of the big ones was he tried to ban property developers from being able to donate to the Labor Party and successfully did that, mm. at least at the New South Wales state level. And a lot of people didn't like that very much. And there were people in his cabinet like Joe Tripodi who tried to kind of stop that legislation at every possible avenue. So Nathan Rees, he goes and he says, can I have special powers to pick my cabinet? Labour Party Conference says yes. What does Nathan Rees do? He drops someone very important from the cabinet. Who gets dropped from the cabinet? Either Joe or Obeed. Well, Obied isn't in the cabinet, Obeed. He's just off as a backbencher. Oh, yeah. It's Joe Tripodi. Mm. And Joe has lost his portfolio as finance minister. This is back in November of 2009. A couple of weeks later, Rees gets rolled. Damn. And as Nathan Rees rocks up, Nathan Rees says, uh, should I not be the premier by the end of today? Whoever is in is under the control of Eddie Obeid and Joe Tripodi.
2: He says that publicly? Publicly.
0: Yeah, wow. And he Best says play. that I like it. at a press conference. And kind of like your move, <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, Labour Party still goes ahead. They roll Nathan Reeves and they bring in Christina Keneally. Mm. Remember her? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, I would have thought she would have been the premier when you were doing premiers reading. Oh, no. Maybe. twenty? No, yeah, yeah. actually. No, because you're 2012. Gradu- you graduated primary school then. Yes. So that's
2: Yeah, it mean, is a lot of Barry O'Farrell in those years. Yeah, Barry O'Farrell is definitely the one I think of when I'm like... Mm. Who am I reading for? <laughs> I'm reading for Barry. Like that's sort of yeah. I think like I why am I reading Ranger's Apprentice right now? Oh, that's right. Oh yeah. Cuz Barry told me to.
3: <laughs> I think I get con- I would get confused between Christina Canelli and Christina Aguilera.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: As we all do. <laughs> Not now, of course. <laughs> But at the
3: time they were just names on a page too <laughs> yeah
0: both blonde wait is Christina Gere a blonde even no.
3: maybe yeah I think Maru like um, she was in that Maroon 5 song Moves Like Jagger so um. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah common misconception I guess <laughs> <laughs> common confusion
2: Christina Keneally gets
0: smashed in the 2011 election I can't I've I've got a video. By the time this comes out, the video would have come out like three days before. I think it was something like Labor held 20 out of, what, like 99, 100 odd seats. So they get absolutely floored by Barry O'Farrell's Liberal Party. And Christina Keneally is yeah absolutely obliterated at the election. The key thing is what happens afterwards. And ICAC starts to get tipped off about some pretty sus things that were going on in those years in the late 2000s we're going to start with Joe Tripodi now what did Joe Tripodi do well the first thing that Joe Tripodi did was that ICAC alleged that Joe Tripodi engaged in corrupt activity by campaigning against his own party how did he campaign against his own party well, in 2011, in the electoral district of Newcastle, there was a woman who was representing Labor. Any guesses as to who that would be? Jody. Jody. So, mm. Jody McKay was representing Newcastle. Now, the owner of the Newcastle Knights, basically... Tinkler. Tinkler. Nathan Tinkler, as we discovered in our corruption pod.
3: Mm.
0: Nathan Tinkler wants to try and get a $1 billion mining project... Through Allegedly ICAC Had solid evidence To believe That Tinkler Offered Jodie McKay A bribe To Get That Development project Through And Agreement to support her In the election Coming up Financially If she Approved The project Before the election Making sense So far Mm -hmm. So McKay Declined she oh, refused. Good on you, Jodie. And she reported it to ICAC immediately. Oh, that's, that's brilliant. ICAC brought her before uh, to hear it. Um, she was actually in tears during her giving her ICAC testimony because what happened was, where does Joe Tripodi come involved? With Tinkler and another woman, actually. The three of them put millions of dollars into printing anti-McKay pamphlets. And throughout Newcastle, they were just spammed with... You can't trust Jodie McKay. Mm. And like those sort of pamphlets were kind of spread all across Newcastle. Jodie McKay lost a seat in 2011.
3: Tinkler also owned the Newcastle Jets for a while. So um, I want to know what kind of Emil Heskey's involvement is. <laughs> <here. And laughs> it was
0: the same time. Like, yeah. like during ICAC, that's when Heskey came out to Australia.
3: Exactly right.
0: I, um, full confession. I saw Heskey's yeah. first A League goal in the flash. Wow! But I was getting a pie when he scored, so I didn't
2: actually see oh it. Oh my day! Kim. Yeah, that, was that a is a good pie. it no, better be. It
0: it was, well, I, I don't think any pie could be. Yeah, that's sort after context.
3: that. Also, Del, Del Piero. He, he's, he's. You went to that game. Del Piero got the free free kick. kick yeah. Oh, Craig Good. Cool.
0: Craig Goodwin played really well. In that yeah, game, it'd been like nineteen. Uh, I
3: got to high five Heskey at the end. That was yeah. pretty cool.
0: Yeah, 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 you take that.
3: That um, was um, that was a good day for Australian football, right? Yeah, that was a big crowd.
0: Yeah, pumping. My dad got road rage um, uh, yeah, while driving I'm aware in. Of, I'm aware of that, Yeah, Dr- yeah, driving <laughs> to the game. <laughs> so, Joe Tripodi is firstly brought before ICAC for engaging in uh, corrupt activity because not only has he campaigned against his own party, he's also been involved in a plot to bribe a politician and seemed to know about the bribing of a politician and used his kind of factional influence to try and pressure Jodie McKay into engaging in corrupt activity. The next one came when, for Joe Chapote came with his involvement with Eddie Obeid. Now, we haven't actually spoken that much about Eddie Obeid. All we've said so far was that he was a bit of a puppet master behind the strings had who he wanted in at the right time, but never really held any position of high ministerial authority. So we know that much about Eddie Obeid so far. Now, Eddie Obeid, his family through a secret trust owned stakes in a whole bunch of cafes in Circular Quay. Remember back from the corruption episode, we, we mentioned mm. this briefly. Mm-hmm. What was happening was at the end of 2007 those the leases for those cafes were coming to an end and what should have happened is they the leases then should have been put up on the marketplace and whoever could kind of have the best bid for circular key could get to put their cafe there because that would kind of render the most amount of revenue for the government
2: Mm.
0: eddie obede what does he do Well, he pressures um, another minister. and I I won't use names for this one because I'm just speaking freehand and to avoid like, you can watch the video if you want all the details and all the names, but I think it's just overwhelming to list every name right now. Eddie Obeid, he pressures the minister who was responsible for the leases for Circular Quay. He pressures them into not putting it up for competition again and letting those cafes extend their lease without it going to the market.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What does this have to do with Joe Tripodi? Joe Tripodi knows that Obed has a stake in those companies and in those cafes. Lee, he has a legal obligation to not only report that to ICAC, but to inform his own party that Obede is trying to take advantage of another person in the party and Obeid is withholding relevant information that he needs to declare according to that that minister is adamant that they didn't know that obede owned a share in those in those cafes mm-hmm. and there's no reason not to believe him um and obede's argument was no 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 like you need to keep these cafes here if you want to have my support in this party you want to get anywhere in this party keep these cafes open and labor right will be good to you and so like put two and two together you can figure out that something's not right here mm. but Uh, Obeid very much pressured him into not putting those cafe leases on the market. Tripodi knew about this. Tripodi didn't report it. So, two counts of corruption for Tripodi, one for Eddie Obeid. Do you reckon they were Gloria Jean's cafes? (laughs) Unfortunately, they weren't. I do... I, I did... I've lost the names. I can't remember what the names mm. were, but yes.
2: I think we wouldn't want to slander the good name. This whole of yeah, this Jeans. whole scandal <laughs> could have
0: been avoided <laughs> if we'd given it to Gloria Jeans in the first place. The second corruption scandal for Obeed was to do with a mining license in Mudgy. And Mudgie, Mudgy would get in this conversation, did you?
2: Yeah.
3: I've never been here it's quite nice. That's a bit of a wine reason. Yeah, wine.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, in 2007, Eddie Obeid bought a property, if I'm not mistaken, the property was around about $3 million of a farm in Mudgee that he bought. Resources Minister Ian MacDonald had tipped Obeid off, allegedly, this is, this is, again, matters before the court, allegedly had tipped off Eddie Obeid that there were a rich store of coal reserves underneath the property. Making sense so far? Mm. You dig those, you dig those up, you sell them off, you make a lot of money. But you need, if you're going to dig that up, you need to have a mining license. And that part of Mudgee, the, the Bylong Valley, was not a license, a licensable area to mine for coal. So you can't just go digging, being like, "Hey, got some coal? Let's sell it off." Mm-hmm. Um, you are not allowed to do that. It, it wasn't licensed to do that. Eddie Obeid has a chat to Ian McDonald. Ian McDonald, the resources minister, gives a mining license to the Bylong Valley. Mm. At the same time, the Obeid family, Moses Obeid, Eddie Obeid's son, um, buys into um, a, a mining company, a resources company. The Obeid family stood to make $30 million off of that by buying the property, getting the license, digging up the coal, selling it off um, and putting a, investing into a mining company that would do that for them. They gained $30 million for their role. Not bad.
2: Yeah, yeah. nice, good little side hustle.
0: <laughs> There's another one. So Tripodi and Obeid link up once again. Tripodi basically uses his uh, cabinet position to get the Labor Party... To give a big contract to Australian Water Holdings, who owns Australian Water Holdings, or who has a significant stake, I should say, in Australian Water Holdings, Edward Obaid.
2: Edward, full name. He's, <laughs> he's in trouble.
0: <laughs> so huge issue of corruption. Um, there were even there were, there's even more scandals on top of that, particularly to do with giving um favorable deals to like telehealth companies that the Obaid family had. Uh, holdings in there's like it, it was really bad, and it's pretty blatant corruption here. ICAC's power they cannot criminally prosecute, so ICAC does not have the power to give a criminal prosecution. What they do have the power to do is to refer the matter for criminal prosecution, and to say to the DPP Department of Public Prosecutions, "Hey, we think that this should be prosecuted, and we think this deserves a criminal case." for corruption and for public misconduct. For the Tinkler scandal, they issued no need for the DPP to follow up. So, no, nah, doesn't need to be. For the cafes, they said, yes, it needs to be. Yeah. So what happened was Eddie Obeid faced criminal trials for public misconduct in office. Now, um, a funny story, they actually put him on um, flight notice because Australia doesn't have, or like, like fleeing notice, because Australia doesn't have an extradition treaty with Lebanon, his, obviously home, his home country. And so there was genuine fear that he could flee to go to Lebanon and not stand trial. Mm. Eddie Obeid has, is made to surrender his Australian passport This is going on in, obviously, the news is kind of covering all of this. Eddie Obeid's song and dance is that ICAC's a a scam. Uh, It's a witch hunt. They're just trying to take a good man down. My family has done nothing wrong. We've never done anything wrong. We are good people. And it's very clear that this is not a good faith investigation. What happens? In In the trial, Obeid is found guilty. And he is sentenced to five years in prison. Eddie Obeid, he's let out on good behavior in 2019.
2: Oh, he's free. He's He's, back.
0: He's back. (laughs) And there's actually, you watch, there's news coverage of the Obeid family giving him like, pretty much like a guard of honor as he comes back. 2021 rolls around. So as he was, so before he was imprisoned, ICAC did another investigation. This one on the Bylong Valley in Mudgee and on what happened between him and Ian McDonald. In this ICAC founding, basically they referred him again. This time it was Ian McDonald who committed public misconduct and it was Eddie O'Beard who committed the crime of conspiracy that he conspired to commit public misconduct in office by getting Ian McDonald to give him mm. that, that license. It does not appear that McDonald got anything in return. It could have just been mates rates, sorting out a mate. And so Eddie Obeid's released from his first set of charges. In twenty so that and that's in Silverwater jail. In twenty nineteen he comes back. In twenty twenty one, he's put on charges again for what he does in the Bylong Valley. He is once again found guilty. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you get like, yeah, this was kind of on the news during like in the build up to, to Gladys going, this was right. This was, this story was running concurrently right. and often it was used as like, see, Labor's got their issues too. Labor's corrupt too, which was a fair as Labor were incredibly corrupt at the end of the 2000s, but it was used as a big misdirect from Gladys's um, supporters and staffers that, hey, they've got this whole Eddie Obeid thing going on as well. Mm. Obeid. He's found guilty, and he's sentenced to more prison time. He has a defense that lets him actually stay out of jail initially. His defense. I am worried about contracting COVID-19. He's
3: got to look after his health. It's a danger.
0: (laughs) Moses obeyed. I am worried about contracting (laughs) COVID-19. Ian McDonald, I'm worried about contracting COVID-19. They don't have to go to jail initially. And they're kept on house arrest initially. And eventually, like go to, this is the end of 2021. The judge kind of um, overseeing the case was like, okay, now it's reached a point. It is actually safer inside the jail than outside the jail as Omicron's spreading pretty rapidly. Um, You, you lot are going to jail. And Eddie O'Bead is currently in Cooma Prison alongside Jared Hain.
3: No
2: way. Yes. Oh my gosh. They, they are in the same prison. That is an ambitious crossover.
3: Jared Hain, talk about a fall from grace. Yes. yes. Do you
0: remember Roger Rogerson, the <laughs> Australian police detective who was uh, like found guilty of murder? It was like it's a that. pretty big story. Probably like I read about six or seven years ago. Now mm-hmm. he is also in Kuma prison.
2: Oh, I was, I know there was a prisoning? Was Kuma. Roger Rogerson the guy? Was he related? The related to that carrying bar high, drug dealer? Or was that, have I got that totally wrong? There was some crooked cop, I think, and some some drug dealer from around here. Anyway, probably not that. Oh, yeah, I have got no idea.
0: Um, so then in twenty twenty two more charges. This next set of charges is to do with the Australian water holdings. Mm-hmm. And again, charged with public misconduct in office and conspiracy to commit public uh, misconduct in office, Joe Tripodi and Eddie Obeid are facing criminal charges as it stands and are awaiting and are awaiting trial for their role in the Australian Water Holdings scandal. Nathan Rees called Australian Water Holdings a bunch of crooks, and it's really interesting. One of the great alternate histories is what would have happened if Nathan Rees went along with Joe Chapote. Because if you think about the consequences of Joe Tripodi, of Nathan Rees standing up to Joe Chapote, so he lost his position and Christina Keneally came in. But what it meant was when he took the stand, he guaranteed that label would get smashed in the election. And that's kind of what Nathan Rees wanted. Mm. He was like, We need a clear we need to clear out. If, Come if, down if, with me. Yeah, exactly. Well Na- and Nathan Rees kept his seat in Toongabi. Um when a lot of people didn't expect him to. Just to give you a scope of how marginal that uh, that or just kinda how much that electorate changed. In two thousand and seven If I'm not mistaken, Toon Gabby was sitting at about a 63% safe seat. That's as safe as it comes in politics, right? If you got 63% of the people voting for you, it went down to like 51% in 2011. That's how big the swing was against Labour. And so Rees kept his seat, and Rees was like, look, if I can just stave off Tripodi and Obeid, we can clear out Labour. Lots of people that answer to them will lose their jobs, they'll be kicked out of Parliament. We'll, we'll, we'll be in minority for like a decade or whatever, and that's fine. And it'll make sure that Tripodi and will lose their influence. They lose their influence, they resign from parliament, and the Labour Party gets cleaned out. We're back. What happens? Well, it's the Liberal Party in the 2010s who are facing all the corruption issues going on. So you've got Barry Farrell and the bottle of wine. You've got Gladys Berejiklian and Daryl Maguire, and we'll kind of, again get into that another day. All that's going on. Who is Labour's leader? Well, firstly, it's a guy called Luke Foley. Then it's Michael Daly. And then after Michael Daly, it's Jody McKay. So 2015, Jodie McKay gets back in. And then Jody McKay is the opposition leader. The woman who said no to corruption is now the leader of the party less than a decade on from when Nathan Rees gets, gets knifed. That was a, such an important decision from Nathan Rees not to go along with Joe Tripodi and Eddie mm. Obeid. He paid for it with his political career. He's a bit of a nobody now. Um, again, I reckon maybe, what, 20% of New South Welshmen walking past Nathan Rees would go, that's Nathan Rees, if that. Yeah. Um, no one knows who he is. And he, at the same time, probably saved New South Wales Labor. He was in for less th- He was a premier for less than a year. And it's a, it's a real tragedy that no one knows his story. Um, and that when people talk about him, people talking about him as the way that, oh, yeah, like, he got to have his turn. It's like, actually, this guy was really significant mm. and he, he saved the Labour Party from from themselves. Sure, they were in opposition for a decade, but it would be such a different party had he not taken the stand when he did back in 2009. mm. So Wazov being like, yay, baby face. Oh no, you're doing black eyed peas. That's not fair. <laughs> yeah. He is saving um, the party. It's and-
3: wild. It's wild how kind of cooked it all is.
0: Yeah. And there's so much corruption at state level because there's much less scrutiny. And it's why there's especially strong corruption at local level because there's almost no scrutiny. Yeah. And yeah, Obeid and Tripodi thought they could get away with it. Obade was adamant that, again, I've got the numbers in the Labor Party. No one's going to dare cross me. Mm. Um, and at like, thankfully, we have ICAC, and yeah, ICAC started as the political tool to kind of go at Labor, like when Nick Greiner set it up. But it's also why it's important why we've, why it needs to be properly funded, and why uh, we need one at a federal level as well. Um, look at how much dirt they found. Um, and again, there's like people they're not even bothering going after that have surely in on it as well. Yeah. Um like it was it was horrendous just how bad corruption got in in New South Wales Labour.
3: Mm. Mm. What's that French term for something being common practice?
0: Not deja vu, it was,
3: <laughs> je it, <m'a> was <laughs> it was common practice.
2: Mm. Mm. Damn. Thank you, Nathan Reed's. Yes, so, for his great work. Um, if I walked past him, I'd be one of the eighty percent that doesn't know who he is. <laughs> but, um, Quite a good-looking yeah. rooster as well, actually. Oh, there but, you go. <laughs> yeah, I reckon he's he's not bad. Yeah. No. Um. I guess we come full circle. Chris Mins is a bit of a is a bit of a yeah. rooster too. Like, looks sharp, professional. Is he yeah. that kind of that kind of rooster? Uh,
0: blonde, surfy, like kind of sort yeah, of thing. Okay. Like, yeah, it looks like, yeah. yeah, looks like he could, looks like he was a home and away actor from the year 2000 or yeah, something
2: good. like that. Um, so that's maybe that's why the Australian people got around him at I'll least no. for that year. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from everything iconic,
0: ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget. Check out quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part